Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today, we have the great Aaron Shanky from Bad in the Sun. I know I've said this a hundred times, but he's another human being who's a writer, director, producer, editor, does it all. And there are a lot of content creators out there that create a lot of great work. But the amount of production work that is put into Bad in the Sun's episodes is amazing. So we're going to talk to Aaron in a couple minutes. How have you guys been doing? Anybody gone stir crazy? What have you been watching lately? Give us a call. 515-602-9609. I see we have 2,300 listeners today. Thank you so much for listening in. And growing, I see. Thank you so much. I love our Sunday crowds. If you want a great watch, other than Bad in the Sun, I would say watch Jimmy Kimmel. I'm obsessed with watching him and his children having fun and doing the show from home. Really some admirable work. The other day he let his daughter like do his makeup and he had like red sparkly eyes and a bow in his head. And it was really charming. It was really wonderful. John Krasinski has his own show on, on YouTube right now. I mean, he gets a huge crowd. He does incredible work. John Krasinski has a great, great show going on right now. I don't know how long he's going to have it on because once, once, the, uh, once the outbreak, once the pandemic is done for, he's going to go back to work. I've been finishing Glow. I just finished Kimmy Schmidt. I don't know why I never finished that show, but I just finished it. Loved it. Ronan Farrell was one of the last episodes. It was hilarious. Getting started with Community. Second season. I see Aaron's on the line. Let's get him on here. Let's, let's ask him what shows he's watching right now. Hi, Aaron. How you doing? Good. How about you? I'm good. I'm uh, good. What have I been watching? I uh, I don't watch actually too much TV. Honestly, I've uh, yeah, keep up with a lot of uh, history. I watch a lot of history shows. I watch uh, okay. a really cool show. 
called Mysteries of the Abandoned, which is a show that I like. Oh, uh, that's a great show. Yeah. So I, I like a lot of history stuff. And I've been keeping up on the NFL draft. I watch a lot of football. So we'll see if we'll, well have they just, a season they, this year. Yeah, they just had the uh, draft the other day. What, what did you think? I mean, it's good. I'm a big uh, big Tom Brady fan. And, you know, Patriots and I was with the Bucks, So I've been just kind of keeping up with that. You know, I'm just um, – Miss sports being on TV and, and hope that uh, we can figure out a way to have you know, yeah. the NFL season this year, even if it's not having anyone in the stands. But um, yeah, we'll see. You know, I think people need that. Did Did you see that? Did you see that uh, moment where Tom Brady was kicked out of the park uh, the other day? Yeah, I don't know why he was in, I don't know why he was in downtown doing that. He probably. <laughs> His, his house down there, whoever he's renting a house from, I'm sure is the size of Wayne Manor. So I don't know why he's down there. I know. He's at the park working out, and some some cop just has to move him. It's hilarious. Now, before we get started, I have to ask, you know, how is your family doing right now during the uh, during the lockdown? They're good. They're good. I, I'm I'm going um, back and forth and helping, you know, take care of them and, and shopping yeah. for them and stuff. So it's been good. I mean, my life is yeah. not... It hasn't changed too much. I'm, I'm kind of a homebody, anyways. Right. Because uh, I like to work a lot and spend time with family. So. Right. Your mom's doing okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to keep all them kind of, uh, uh, kind of keep keep all them in rotation. You know. <laughs> right. So you know, you're you're one of those guys who does everything, and and you're one of the very few LA home-based guys. So you're born in LA, were you not? I was born in Orange County, yeah, but I've been in I'm in LA and stuff like that. Since, yeah. Um twelve, you know. Right. So there's no reason to ask you like what it what kind of inspired you to want to be a filmmaker. I mean, was it something in particular or it was is it just an LA based thing? Um, actually what it was is that I mean I, I grew up a big superhero fan and uh, oh. I played with action figures, you know, when I was seven and eight years old. And I right. would say that when you do that, that's kind of like making a movie in a way because you have your actors, right. your figures, and you tell a story and you picture all these things. So I was like, how do we do that in, you know, adult life? And then my uh, grandfather, um, at the age of when I was nine, uh, he, uh, no, eight, I'm sorry, because he passed away when I was eight, he gave me uh, a camera and um, and I kind of just started filming action figures and started filming myself around my grandma's house. And I just kind of progressed and I, ended up making a lot of young silly movies with my dad and then uh, nice. progressed into real movies with my dad. So your your grandfather was a was a you know a, an inspiration to you and then it goes off to your father now your father himself he was one of the first cosplayers I am wrong on that one I mean I saw him dressed up as a, as Darth Vader when he was uh, younger. Yeah so he okay so what's interesting about that is he's not really a um a cosplayer Right. But he he um he was the first Darth Vader. That's really the only person he's ever dressed up as. But um, right. this is back in the, the summer of uh, when Star Wars first opened. And, um, yeah, seventy seven. And uh, I posted this picture online, and all of a sudden, um, it, it like took off. And so the official like Star uh, Star Wars reached out to us, and they were like, you know, what is the background? What is this? And I explained the whole thing, and they were like, oh my god, this is the first person to ever, you know. Dressed up as Darth Vader, so we had a whole big article <laughs> on him. If you Google it right now, it's the first thing to come up. So he holds, 
he holds that title, which is so strange. <laughs> that's that's fantastic, and, and he, he also he also does uh, a lot of the music, all the music for for Bad in the Sun. Is, is am I right? Yeah, he does all the music. He does all the um, he does all the, the sound. He's head of our sound department. He's um, he's a uh, classically trained musician. Um, he's piano mm. player, and uh, it might be the old school sense, you know, in terms of uh, like he really knows his music theory and understands True. the whole thing. You know, it, it, it seems that that today um, people who are composers don't fully understand or grasp music. You know, right. How is it that you acquired a lot of your skill? Because a lot of people went to film school and, and, and what have you, and, and you know they're arduous about how they train. You you seem to have just have a a knack for what you're doing here. Did you did you did you watch a lot of movies? Did you did you did you go to film school? I went to film school for a very short while, about six months, and um, it just it really wasn't for me. I um, I mean, the thing, like, I just know the professor said that you're a little too far along and that you are probably going to waste your money. So, you know, just, just start working in the industry and learn. I, they could sense that I learned by doing. Um, and hmm. uh, like I said, I grew up making films when I was very young. And right. I had the influence of my father, who was extremely, extremely um, artistic. And uh, he can paint, sculpt, you know, compose. So it was, he was great at guiding my and developing my artistic ability. And right. um and then just, you know, putting just keep just keep doing it, you know, just keep at it and um learning from it and you know, some of my early work obviously is not the best and, and you learn from that and you always wanna you should always be open to uh constructive uh, criticism. You know, it's always a that's always something that I enjoy hearing. And um you know, the goal is to be the best that you can be, so you have to be honest with yourself. Right. So um, was, it, was it very helpful to have your father with father. you along the way to uh, to work on it? Oh yeah, yeah, tremendously. You know. So, what was the first camera that you were working with? I mean, you, you said you had your, your your grandfather's camera. When did you start upgrading from that point on? Um, well, the first camera that I had that he gave me was one of those old ones that you like would put a VHS tape in them. You know, like super holy super moly, those big. Yeah, yeah. Was old. I mean camera was half the size I was when I, when I got it. But, um, but then, uh, my grandma bought me like a Sony camera back in like 98, 97, mm. you know, which is now forever ago. But, yeah. um, and, and since then, you know, you just keep getting new cameras and, uh, I probably had six or seven cameras since then. Wow. Wow. So, so when did, when did bat in the sun, like first come to be when was when was the first incarnation of, of bad in the sun it actually it started back in 2001 so it's been around a lot longer than i think people have i think i think i'm a lot older than people think i, I am actually but, <laughs> um, uh, but uh making films and, and uh, we, i mean we were making films you know long before youtube was around right and then when youtube came around we just started putting them out there and um, I had uh, I was working with someone this week. They're interviewing me, and, and they and they asked uh, how how did I like build such a following? And I said I was that was never the goal. I, my goal was never to build a following. It was just to put great content out there. Hmm. And and by doing that, people you know really 
really liked the stuff, and that's kind of how it built up, you know. So uh, it was, it was, you know, like as an artist, you just want to do the best you can. You know, it's not about the money, it's not about the fame, it's not about any of that. It's just, you know, I want to make good content, and that, that seems to resonate with people. You know, it's easy. You know, it's interesting because you say that, but I've seen you a thousand times with your fans, and you're incredibly kind to them and generous with them. So to say that, you know, it's not about the fans, it's not about the glory, you seem to take care of that quite well. Yeah, well, I mean, as, as far as, like, the fans, it's definitely about taking care of them and honoring them and, and involving them. Um, but what I meant was that, like, uh, it, you know, when, when you start off, a lot of people, you know, they they when they get into this field, they're like, I want to be famous, and that was never the goal. Um, the goal was about, like, we remember a time when superheroes, you know, were not celebrated as they are now. You know, they're not, right. you know, superheroes are cool now. You know, when I was a kid, superheroes were not cool. So, right. um, and I, you always would look for, you know, whenever you saw someone like with a Batman shirt, you'd be like, oh my God, like that's so crazy. I was right. grocery shopping yesterday and I saw someone with a Green Lantern shirt. And, you know, when I was a kid, I would have lost my mind if I saw that. Because I was like, oh my gosh, like that's so rare. So sure. when we started this whole thing, it was about spreading, um, it was about spreading the the community, the love to the community, the superhero community, and that's kind of like what Beatdown was originally to do is to just get people talking and enjoying superheroes on a on a really big level. So um, it, it it was very much for the fans at the beginning because um, I was such a big fan. I want I wanted there to be more people like me or discover right. more people like me, which which uh, I think B-Town has definitely done. And, and obviously the, the whole superhero um, world has exploded. So, you know, it's, right. it's somewhere out there. Yeah, it's, it's the but thing it's now. It's, it, yeah, it's taking over the world right now. I mean, we don't know how long it's going to last, but, uh, you know, we've said that a thousand times before about genres, like whether they'll last right. or not. But this one seems to be a, a, a foregone conclusion. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's still. You know, I mean, Hollywood and, it, and their westerns lasted for a long time, and now, right. You know, it's a thing of the past. So hopefully, superheroes can last a long time. You know, I'm not a huge fan of when people knock uh, superhero films. For for myself, I, you know, I grew up with a learning disability, so, you know, instead of reading novels, you know, which I write now, I I read comic books, and it really helped me to understand like quantum mechanics, quantum physics, different ways to write. <clears throat> things like that. So uh, comic books have always been my number one shtick, my number one thing. I love them. So when people knock superhero films, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially since they're based on the old gods. Right. Yeah. It's exactly what they are. It's, it's a lot of, you know, I mean, people always want someone to look up to and stuff. And that that's what I think superheroes are great for as, as morals and giving you someone great to look up to. I, I, um, I think morals is something we're sadly lacking today, and uh, right, right. I think superheroes do a great job at, at influencing that. You know, I agree. So, one of the first films you worked on was was Dark Justice. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's or, a while yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that film because you know I saw it. I really enjoyed it. What did what, what did you think about it? That was still God. That was how many years ago was that? That was two thousand. That was two thousand three. One two thousand two. 2003. Um, yeah, yeah. I was still really early. You know, I just I had gotten a, um, 
a new camera and wanted to get out and just make something cool. And I was friends with the rock stunt double, uh, Tom White Reed, who's uh, oh yeah, just yeah. the most incredible stunt man out there. He's just a total badass, and had him play Batman, and you know, um, really got my first taste of directing action. And you know, who better than like one of the greatest action you know, stunt man out there and, and, uh, you know, me and Tano, I really connected because we're both Hawaiian yeah. and, um, it was real cool. You know, it was a great learning experience. I mean, the film obviously has its flaws. I was like 15 when that movie, when we made that movie, but, um, <laughs> the main thing to do, I tell people is, you know, I guess so the best way I learned is just to get out there and, and just, you know, try it, you know, do something small, but have uh, right. all about, you know, quality over quantity um right so I, I learned a lot from that you know so were you satisfied with the outcome or did you think that you could work on it and, and make something different um at the time i was satisfied with it you know looking back on it now i mean i can see all of its flaws and shortcomings and right i just didn't know certain things well but hindsight's that, that's, 2020 that's, yeah yeah but that's to be expected though i mean that's why you yeah. do it you know you just you just move forward and um, don't let your fear of failure stop you from doing anything. You know, they say right. failure is the key to success. So, sure. Um, Absolutely. You know, just to keep, just to keep at it, you know, and it was, it was great. I mean, I, I haven't watched that film in a while, but, you know, uh, <laughs> we put that online, you know, uh, back in 2006 and it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then Denzel Washington makes the point of, you know, if you really want to succeed in the world, uh, fail, fail a lot. Cause you learn a lot from your failures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You definitely need to learn. I mean, that, that's kind of the thing is that um, I always say, you know, every opportunity is a door to another opportunity. You just have to find that door in that situation, you know? Right, right. Well, we're starting to hit the point in your career where you where you bumped into Kevin Porter. Tell me about that. Yeah, I, I, I ran Kevin in. Kevin, I mean, he's the definitive Batman. He's great. And, um, um, well, he's the same. I mean, he's he's an incredible size, an incredible voice, and an incredible person. So, how did that how did yeah. that come to be? Um, I met me, and my dad met Kevin. It's kind of strange. We we met Kevin um, at the San Diego Comic Con back in 2003. Kevin used to work for DC Comics. He was their official Batman. You know, for like Macy's Day Parade and um, you know the nice. uh, 500 NASCAR 500 and all that sort of stuff. So we. And what's weird is he he used the same DVD production company that we did back then, and he actually had seen one of our films, and at Comic-Con, we were wearing um, our Bat and the Sun shirt. We had just gotten them, and we had really, really finally just started promoting the company on like a, on a bigger scale. And he was the first person out of anyone to ever recognize us, and he when we went up to take a photo of him. You know, he was like, uh, you know, like, I know that I know who you are. You're Batman's son. And I was like, <laughs> what? And I was like, what the heck? How is Batman the first person to recognize us? And right. how do you know that? You know? And he's like, because I'm Batman. And I was like, that's <laughs> weirdly accurate. Um, but uh, so you know, it's, it's just weird that it, or very or, um, our meeting with Kevin was very fortuitous, and um, he's just become, you know, such a part of um, ingrained in our team. You know, in our right. family. Um, so I talk to Kevin almost every day, and he's—I can't express how great of a, of a Batman he is. And when I said that, I believe he's the greatest 
person to ever play Batman. I, I really honestly believe that. I mean, he, when you're yeah. around him and he's in the costume, it's, it's really incredible. He has the voice and the size and the love for the character, you know, the jaw. So it's, it's, right. it's really, uh, as a Batman fan, it's quite incredible to be around him in the suit. We're going to talk a little bit in, in, in a while about the, the new Batman film that you guys are working on. But for, first, I want to get to Patient J, which is oh, God. not yeah. a film that, that I, I knew anything about until I, until I looked it up maybe about a couple of years ago. Tell me, about, tell me about that short film. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's also yeah, a, while, a while ago. Um, that is a film that we wrote about the psychology of the Joker. Superheroes to me are always interesting to me because of the psychology. And um, that whole film is just basically just a, a dialogue conversation. And we used uh, Paul Molnar as the, as the Joker, who I really, I really like, actually, as the Joker. I think he's a very scary Joker. Yeah. But um, we wanted to explore just the psychology, which is what we're kind of revisiting with our new project. But um, I've always loved and had an affinity for the Joker. So that project was a little longer, and we just, um, um, you know, just had a lot we wanted to say about the Joker's mental state. And what's funny is I've seen sure. how that played out. And I saw it play out in, in The Dark Knight. I saw it played out in Heath or um, Joaquin's Joker. So it's nice yeah. to have come out with that beforehand. And I was, like I said, I was like 19 when that movie came out. So it was still young, you know, still young. No, I, thought, grand, I, thought it was, I, I thought it was very clever. You know, it, a lot of times people use, you know, Harley Quinn as the, you know, the the explanation of what the psyche is of the Joker, bad narrator, bad this, bad that, you know, but I, I really like the fact that it, it really went in depth into, you know, what his kind of scars were inside of his brain, how he worked, how he functioned. I think those things are very right. important when you, when you want to get a, a bad guy and kind of understand where he's coming from. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent everything. And with our new film, it's going to be very similar, but it's going to be Batman and Joker having a dialogue and, um, right, you know, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, let's talk about City of Scars because that that was a very interesting. Film. This is this is when your your films are starting to really look different and change a bit. Is when City of Scars came out. Tell me about that project. Yeah, we shot that over the course of um, I think 21 days. That's like a almost a 30 minute film. Focuses on Batman psychology a lot. Um, right. Again, all the superhero films I do are all dive into the the mental state of the heroes. Um, yeah, that film is really one that really took off. You know, we put that online and it got like um, a million views and in like two days and, and, and it really resonated with people and people really liked it. So that really was the film that kind of, and we already had a few films that had hit a million over time. And City of Scars really, I guess, struck a nerve with people um, because from there, I think we only did one more Batman little Batman film and then we jumped into patient or jumped into uh, beat down. But, uh, you know, but that, that whole film, um, demonstrates just, uh, or showcases how great Kevin is as Batman. But at the same time, I also, I think, you know, I'll read the comments on it and they're always like, this is the most accurate or true Batman film I've ever seen. Right. And because you dive into his psychology, Batman's not just a figure. I always hated when, you know, when you watch like the Nolan films or any of the Batman films, they always say that Batman is the most boring character in the world, because, or in, in, in that world, that? because the, because the because the villains are so in, you know, interesting. Right. And, and and while the villains oh. are fascinating, it's like Batman 
Um, he's always quiet in the movies. He never talks. And in the comic books, he's always narrating. Right. I, you know, we wanted to have that. So right. um, that was important to us. Well, your next film after that is Seeds of Arkham. I think that's your last Batman project until you move on to uh, to, to your beatdowns. But before we get too far here, where, where does Bat in the Sun come from? Where, where's, where's the where does the genesis of the of the name? Uh, the name is actually my my father's responsible for that. It's um, so generally a lot of people equate it to Batman, and it, it actually is not, which is kind of um, like a surprising for some people. Right. Generally, you know, bats come, bats come out at night, but bats that's actually a, a common misconception. Bats come out at sunset, um, and and the bats that do come out at sunset are scout bats or the leader bats um, that are that are checking to make sure that it's safe for the other bats to come out. So whenever you see a, a bat in the sun, it's like the brave leader bat um, who's also kind of, you know, an outlier. So that's kind of um, what we consider ourselves within the, you know, the business. Right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now, yeah, so before the... So unique, I guess. Go ahead. It is very unique. Little, you know, little, yeah. Yeah, you know, you're right. You know, I, I would have assumed it was Batman, personally. That's why I wanted to ask you yeah. because assumptions are usually wrong. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty it's I mean it's, yeah. That is a great name. And it resonates. Yeah. Everyone a lot of times I'll meet people and they're like, Hey, you're bad in the sun. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm Aaron. But that works. <laughs> <laughs> that works. You gotta change my name to Bad in the Sun. <laughs> yeah. So do you know, it's funny. Did you start working on uh, the, the waiting room before you start doing uh, the other films, or what, what, what came next? Beatdown. Beatdown came next. We, we raced the, the Batmobiles, and um, and that did really well. We had my my friend owns two Batmobiles. We raced them, and that took off. I guess it's, you know because people never have raced Batmobiles before. We were the first people to do it, right? And that really struck a nerve with people, and they thought that was cool. And I mean, obviously, I think it's pretty cool. But um, and then we just started doing the beatdowns, and it was really important for us to just keep churning them out. That's what my dad said, just keep churning them out. Just keep keep right. building that momentum. People will come. Build it, and people will come as long as we put um, – as long as we, you know, make them to the best of our ability, you know, give 110% right. always. And and that's what we did, and it just, we just kept doing it and doing it, and, and it just it just took off. It, you know, it just got yeah. bigger and bigger. You chased a, a lot of genres. You did, uh, what, uh, you know, Darth Vader versus Gandalf, Batman versus Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Now, Batman versus Wolverine was a pretty special uh, episode because we've had comic books, which is Batman versus Wolverine. Tell me, tell me about that episode because I, I personally love that one. I mean, I, I do love the Batman versus Vader, but Batman versus Wolverine is, is pretty special. I mean, it was one of our, yeah, it was one of our first was episode three. Um, and uh, what's fun about doing the B-Town is that it's not just different heroes. There's a lot of things that go in it. There's different fighting styles. Um, there's different cinematography because you want to capture them a certain way. Their music has to be different. It's very, each B-Town should feel very authentic unto itself. And with Batman Wolverine, um, some of my favorite characters, it was fun to really just get in there and, and have it just be a brutal fight scene. You know, sometimes certain characters, they have similarities, and their similarities allow each other to shine. And I think that Batman Wolverine did that. That one took off, and, and it has like 23 million views online or whatever. But, right. Um, 
you know, did really well. Batman Vader, I would say, is our best beatdown we've ever created. It's um, pretty incredible but, one. Uh, yeah, we're really proud of that. I'm really proud of all of them, but Batman Vader is our favorite. Yeah. You also have Spider-Man versus Darth Maul, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I was Spider-Man, and uh, Yoshi Sadarso was... Um, he did all the stunts. I always say, any anytime Spider-Man's doing something cool in that episode, it's Yoshi. Uh, anytime yeah. Spider-Man's running his mouth, it's me. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> And uh, Yoshi's incredible. And uh, playing Spider-Man for me is a lot of fun because I did the motion capture yeah. in the Amazing Spider-Man games. So Spider-Man. And I was Stan Lee's official Spider-Man, which is how we were able to get Stan Lee in that episode. You know, Stan Lee yeah. was a real big... He was a big fan of Beatdown, which was which was kind of funny to me because um, I had worked with Stan for so long. And then after yeah. he did that Beatdown, um, before he passed, Stan, <laughs> the um, two times I had seen him, he wanted to actually do another beatdown. He wanted to fight Batman. He wanted to be the star of the beatdown. Get out of here. Yeah, he's in his classic sort of, I, I want to fight Batman. Do a beatdown right Excelsior. Excelsior. Yeah, and he was all about it. And I, I was trying to figure out, like, you're in any sort of Iron Man mech suit or something, you know, but I was like, <laughs> uh, we were trying to figure out a way to do it, you know, but sadly, obviously, he passed away. But, um, yeah. But, but, uh, but it was a great, it was great, it was a joy to work with Stan. He was so nice and to give us his time, and he was a big fan. Stan, I, I don't know, but I, aside from the Marvel movies, we were the only, you know, thing that he else gave his cameo to. Right. You know, which, which was really cool. So when you do all of Stan's cameos, like you have to include ours in a way. Um, then it was just nice to be, for him to, you know, give his blessing. You know, for my Spider-Man and, and stuff like that. So it was cool. Right. It was real cool. You know, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I had Yoshi on just recently. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing that people, you know, I had Kevin on very recently as well. And I had a lot of people on that have been with Bad in the Sun. And it, it, nobody really has anything really negative to say about you and the group that they work with. You know, the stunt work or or the filming I think that's the reason. Do you think that's the reason why Stanley was so, you know, in, 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 you know, encapsulated by Bad in the Sun? Was that it was kind of a kind production? Mean, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I hope that you know he liked it because our work really stood out. But I do know a lot of people, and I always I love hearing this. Um, whenever we do conventions, fans afterwards will always say it seems like you guys are a family, and that you're really right. close. And that's true. I always try to. I always try to keep sincerity and loyalty, um, you know, at its forefront. And I try not to let negative or malicious or seedy people within the structure. You know, I think that, you know, when people, and it's inevitable when you work in big companies, you know, it becomes all about the money and, and that's not what it is here. I want everyone here to do it for the love, for the love of the characters, uh, for the love of each other. You know, that's a much stronger connection so um right. you know everyone here comes in and gives 110 percent of themselves and that i think that resonates hopefully on screen yeah. you know and like i said morals are a big thing with me and i try to make sure that everyone else follows that same same code oh. some people know i'll be a hard ass when it comes to enforcing morals but um, i think that's why we all want to do our best you know I think this is very important. It's for the, for, we have a very large audience right now. What, what do you think morality, because it, that's the tough question. What do you think morality has to do with filmmaking, with film production, with creating a family within a film production? 
Well, I think, I mean, really with anything, I mean, I think life's a team sport and we all need to, um, you know, find reasons why we get along, not find reasons why we don't get along. And I right. think with filmmaking, those are all things that we love, you know. So I try not to have people talk, uh, you know, politics or religion on set because we're finding things that are dividing us rather than bringing us together. And that's what I think right. is so great about film is that we're all coming together over something we love. We have the same vision. And it's important um, you know, like when I talk to people, I ask, what do they want to bring to this project? What is, you know, what is their goal to accomplish and take away from it? And I want to make sure that that's honored too, you know, um, right. like I said, it's not all about the pay. It's about looking back and being like, wow, like look what we created. You know, I, I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't, you know, trade all my beat downs for a big mansion. You know, I'm, I'm proud of them. That, you know, that means more to me and you want to find people that, that have the same kind of goals, I guess. So, Right. Um, and, and and if you talk to anyone on, uh, within Bat and the Sun, they'll, they'll tell you, they're like, oh, Aaron's very much that way. I, I'm very um, out with uh, my perspective on on life and how people should should live morally. That's why I said why I like superheroes and Superman. And it, it may seem a little corny, but I, I like that all little ho-hum moments of, you know, that, you know, 1950s, you know, Andy Griffith kind of, mindset but like you know i think i don't think it's i don't think it's hokey at all you know i I, i've really lived my life that way and and when working with people i've always looked for the most moral or the most at least ethical people i can work with because we're working together and uh, i really don't want to be involved or i don't care how much i'm getting paid i don't care how famous i'll become i don't want to be involved with people that are going to bring me down to that level or make me feel bad about myself in a way that, you know, I've, I've sold my soul. The way it should be. I mean, just the more open and, and honest, you know, the way you can live is just easier. You know, I, I hate right. um, anxiety and I hate stress and it just, it, it drains you from enjoying other people. It drains you from right. your own artistic, um, you know, excerpts. So I just try to keep all that away from me. It's just, I agree. Um, it's not a healthy, you know, toxic energy and all that stuff. It's just bad. Just, you know, just keep it away. Just keep it away. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Now, a film that, that you made, which was really wonderful, was just uh, Wolverine versus Wonder Woman. Now, that was a great episode. Yeah. I, I remember being there on set, taking pictures, and everybody really, really enjoyed themselves. I mean, uh, hardcore. Danny Shepard was there, and a lot of other people were there. They really enjoyed themselves. Why, why do you think that set was so special? How, how were you able to direct and lead such a large cast of people? Um, that episode, so that's actually one of our hardest episodes we had to shoot. I think we spent a total of like eight days on that episode, which I think I don't know if people know how how hard we work on some of these episodes or how much time it takes. Right. The episode was very expensive. It's probably one of our most expensive episodes, somewhere around fifty grand, probably. And right. um, and that's with everyone working for almost nothing. You know, it's just right. eight days of shooting and, and so forth. But um, shooting on the beach was very difficult. People think, oh, it must be like so beautiful and nice. But what, you, what people don't know is that you know the sun's very draining. And right. being out in it for 12 hours is, um, is you know, like a lot. And then moving on the sand, because the, the sand is hard to walk on. You know, your footing's always changing. And and uh, John Carroll as Wolverine and, and Tatiana Neva as uh, Wonder Woman, they do an incredible job. I think, you know, 
um, Tatiana's been a, a lot of different characters within Beatdown, and she has. And her Wonder Woman is, I, I think, is second to none. I prefer her Wonder Woman more so than Gal. Not that I'm saying she's better than Gal, but Gal, I think, encapsulates more the sweet, innocent, you know, right. motherly right. Wonder Woman, where Tatiana has this sort of like the angry mother bear. Right, you know, who's just right. Who's just like it's not scary in a way that like oh you're scary, but like she feels powerful. She feels like, you know, I look at her as Wonder Woman. It's the same way I look at Linda Hamilton and Terminator, and be like, I think that's mm. gonna kick my ass. You know, right. like like the first one compared to the second one, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think she's great in that, and she, you know, she really dedicated herself to the role and the character and. Um, and Wonder Woman's not an easy character to, to look like or pull off. And then, of course, then you have John Carroll, you know, who yeah. is I, just a, just the perfect Wolverine. He's, he's yes. that uh, short, stocky, just feral, you know, and, and John's just a beast in himself. I mean, that guy is so strong and so committed. He, I mean, he looks like a he looks like a comic book Jim Lee drawing, which is a right. huge compliment. He, he does. Com- <laughs> you know? And 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 they give a hundred and ten percent on set. I mean, they're you know yeah. they're hot, they're hungry, and all these things. So, and then well, then, the, the then there's the thing about huh? Jonathan Carroll is you know I, I saw him on set eating uh, apple slices and, yeah. and like you know like the simplest junk because he had a, he had a a big big um, big workout thing going on. He had a he had a showing of his muscles. Had, I don't even know what to call them, but. He had a big showing coming up really soon, so he had to really watch what he ate. Everybody else was eating pizzas, and they're they're laughing. I could hear them back around laughing. He had the the nicest attitude, the sweetest attitude, while sweating underneath a huge mask, wearing fake teeth. And that's really yeah. when you show the quality of a human being is when they're able to, you know, be nice in such critical and, and dire situations. Yeah, he. Um... I mean, he just works so hard on set, and it's you know it's really a testament. I mean, because he's got he's got to look super jacked, and um, and he was, and and uh, but still have enough energy to keep going, you know. Because sometimes when you eat junk food, it can kind of and kind of wear you down a little bit. But um, right, but he, you know, he he's great. I mean, his Wolverine is it's always we've done uh, two episodes with his well two and a half really, and. Uh, it's just always a joy to work with his his Wolverine. I I I would do it more and more if I could. So yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a wonderful. You, you did you did Wolverine versus Predator, did you not? Yeah, we did Wolverine versus Predator. Yeah. Now I've never I've never seen that episode. How was it like to film that episode? Because there was a lot of water play, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. There was that we shot in an actual swamp. I was a little worried that we were all going to like get dysentery or something like that because it was it was like legit like we were in it. And it was really cool. It's a real surreal surreal experience because you're in a swamp. Right. You got Wolverine Predator in there, and it's it was really a magical. It was really a magical time um, mm. to shoot that episode, and uh, everyone once again everyone is just so committed to making these projects, and it's kind of funny that. Um, you know, you make them and you don't really think anything of them at the time. And I look back and I go, why didn't I create like a behind the scenes or why didn't I, I put like a like a documentary together on each one of these episodes? Because I didn't really think at the time that they would become what they've become, but they've become these, so, you know, that episode has 26 million views online and right. it cumulatively has like 40 million views. And it's like, and people love that stuff. And 
And like, like a fun fact that people don't know is the actor who played uh, the Predator. Right. Um, he he actually is the nephew to the actor who played the Predator in the actual Predator movie, the first two. That's right. So that was Kevin Peter Hall, and then this was uh, Jamie Hall. And that's why he wanted to do it, because he wanted to honor his late uncle. Right. That's so, wonderful. I, I met him on the set of the... Uh, what is it? The uh, the Michael Myers versus the Luxie, and he was on that. He was on that set right there, was he not? Different. That was a different actor, actually. Oh, different, different actor. actor. But a different, different gigantic same, same actor. Super different actor. Huh? <laughs> a different. Huh? A different gigantic actor. Yeah, different gigantic. Yeah, actually, uh, ja- uh, Jamie's actually taller than the actor we had on that. Jamie's like six eight. I think the actor wow. we had on on um, the Halloween one was six six. I think, mm. but the outfits are made by the same person. Alien effects. Yeah, I watch their stuff. It's it's incredible the amount of stuff they do. Now, who makes your Batman suits? Um, it, it a variety of different people. The main person okay. that I think would get the most um, recognition is Reeves Effects. He does he sculpts right. all the Batman cows and makes a lot right. of the armor and stuff. So, and Reeves is just a diehard Batman fan. He's the only person I know that can rival my Batman fandom, and yeah. his attention to detail is uh, is incredible. So. He made the uh, the Wolverine helmet as well, right? Yes, yes, he did. So he's he's wonderful. I've known Reeves for a long time, and uh, yeah. he's, he's a real good guy. Shout out to he, to him and his girlfriend. They're they're awesome people. I really enjoy watching. Yeah. Them. Yeah, in every con, they're they're very enjoyable human beings. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, we share a lot of the same passion. I love hearing them talk superheroes. So. Well, one of the last episodes you did as a beatdown before the coronavirus hit was uh, Black Widow versus Black Canary. Mm-hmm. How was that episode? Yeah, I, that I mean, was, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's an episode we wanted to do for a very, very long time. We almost shot it probably like four, four years ago. And then mm-hmm. um, the scheduling conflicts came up when we weren't able to do it. But, uh, but that's with uh, Tess Keelhammer as Black Canary and um, Tatiana, again, as Black Widow, which... Right. Um, her her Black Widow was fantastic just because she's Russian, so um, right. she's able to you know speak Russian and everything. It's right up her alley. And then um, we had we had test put Black Canary back on City of Scars, and um, so it's almost like a ten years in the making. And you know, Tess Jeez. is an actual uh, she's an actual competitive fighter. So perfect you know, for Black Canary, yeah. Girls. Yeah, the yeah. skill set of both girls is great. And, and the voting was so close, it kept changing daily as far as who would win. I had no idea, you know. So, um, yeah. So that was a really, that was a good episode. And it's cool to see the two girls, um, you know, just kick ass and, and show how bad ass it can be, you know. Yeah. We, we, as soon as the lockdown is done with, what are you looking forward to? Are you, are you for the most, uh, you know, are you going to do more? Beatdowns, or are you done with them? Or are you are you more inspired more now than ever? Well, we okay, so we we're working on an animated beatdown right now, the Dragon's Order okay. Godzilla, because you know it's great. Well, we can still work on that while we're in quarantine. And then we've done oh, two great. Funny. We did we did Crowd Funny for um, a Batman project, Dying is Easy. Uh, we raised almost double what we what we planned, which is amazing. We're working on the costume and script right now, and then we also did a crowdfunding, which we're still actively involved with, uh, The White Dragon, um, which is stars Jason David Frank. It's kind of similar to Power Rangers in the way that The Boys on Amazon Prime is similar to the Justice League. 
Um, it's just like a darker, more realistic version. And uh, right. we're in the middle of crowdfunding. We're almost double our goal on that. So we're, we're, we can't wait for quarantine to be over and uh, for us to really start full pre-production on both projects. Fans are super excited, and that fuels us as well. And originally we were kind of against crowdfunding, but it's created such a community and uh, right. connection with the fans and having them involved that I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, you, you two changed the way they the way they you know, bring a lot of the money in towards the the content creators. So you had to go towards yeah. Patreon, am I right? Uh, Patreon and uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo, yeah. Nice. Tell me about your, your, your relationship with Jason David Frank. How did that come to be? Yeah, Jason, um, or JDF as people call him, um, you know, mm. he's the, the main Power Ranger, the White Ranger, the Green Ranger, the one that right. you know, everyone's a huge fan of. Um, we did we did White Ranger Scorpion uh, battle about seven years ago, and I reached out to him through mutual friends, and he loved my work, and you know we, we ended up uh, working together, and um, we just had a lot of the same uh, mindset in terms of wanting to create awesome content and you know, loving the community, and um, he's so fan centric, you know he he's so good to his fans, and he always likes to stay active and he loves filmmaking so um we've done a you know we've done a lot of projects together we did two beatdowns together we um we did the whole ninjack versus Valor universe together you know he was the official bloodshot before vin diesel right. um and he we then we did power rangers for street fighter officially with lionsgate and hasbro and saban um so you know we worked together on on, on quite a few projects and now we're doing this one which project are you working on next? Because I, see, I keep on seeing this this new advertisement for a new a new film that he's working on. Are you working on that film with him? He's advertising the White Dragon. Yeah, that's one that we're right. working on together. So you're working on White Dragon. Can you tell us anything about this? Um, well, like I said, it's like a it's kind of like a, a grown up, more mature Power Rangers. If you're a fan of Power Rangers back in the in the nineties, I think you'll really really dig this show. It's just a more kind of a it's like Logan but with Power Rangers but it's right. its own original thing is the best way right. to describe it hmm. and when do you when do you start production on this um, probably well our plan was two, mo- two months after the Kickstarter ends which is still about six weeks out but um, um, but we'll see what quarantine you know, has to say about all that so tell me a little bit about Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. You, you know, you you were waiting for a long time to make an announcement about a connection between you and another company, and when you did, it was very shocking that it was that it was Valiant. Uh, you, you mentioned before that Bloodshot was uh, was uh, shot by by uh, Jason David Frank or JD JDF. Uh, it was a yeah, great show right there. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I went to go see Bloodshot in the theater before quarantine. And uh, what I thought was hilarious was it, it was worse. It was really bad. It was really a bad movie. And what you created yeah. was a better film than the, what they made. And they must have spent at least $80 million on their film. Yeah, I think that was the budget. I haven't had a chance to see it, actually. Um, I was invited to one it's, of those. It's horrible. Oh, that's too bad to hear. I, I, I heard it was like a 90s action flick. I... I, I I didn't get a chance to see it, but um, I have yeah. heard a lot of fans that it liked ours more, and it was ours was more accurate and true to the characters. So that's always 
you know, really wonderful to hear. Yeah. I wish um, I can get my money back. But, I mean, I already saw it on, when I thought to myself, I already saw this on YouTube made by Aaron. Why, why did I have to pay, you know, 20 bucks to see this piece of garbage? <laughs> well, um, yeah, Valiant reached out and, um, and, and they wanted us to, you know, basically um, make uh, beat downs for, their characters and I said, well, no, let's do an actual narrative story. And that turned into doing a feature film and, right. um, and that's what Valiant turned into and had a great cast. And, uh, and now you know, it's online, it's online. Finally, originally Sony kind of stepped in and they tried to stop the film because I guess they felt threatened by it, um, that it would hurt their film, which was, I felt like more bloodshot, the better, you know, Jason did right. a great job at, building that fan base. And I think that most people know of bloodshot because of Jason. Um, and, and, and we were always so open and welcoming to the characters that I felt strange that Sony felt threatened or whatever. So they kind of try to put a hold on the film until their film came out. But obviously I think that kind of backfired, but, um, we got nothing but love for the valiant characters and, you know, put our all into it. And now fans are seeing it and everyone's, you know, loving it and all kinds of stuff. So it's great to see the wonderful comments for the film. So, well, I met a couple of people from Valiant and and they seemed super stoked and excited by the project themselves. They seemed very, very happy that it came out the way it did. How did you feel about the project and how did you feel how it came out? Um, I, I I I mean, we were really happy with it. Um, yeah, you're at the premiere. Um, so, um, and I was, it was kind of interesting that Sony kind of came in and they want, they tried to change part of the film and they wanted to change a few shots because they wanted to get rid of some of our really epic shots and they wanted to try to take out as much bloodshot as they could. Really? I guess, like I said, they felt, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess there's two different versions actually that float around on the internet. There's one that is, as I call it, the director's cut, which is the definitive version, which is, which is shown at the premiere. Um, which has all those shots in it. And then there's a version that's online that doesn't have those shots in it. So I'm curious right. if the fans know that really, you know, they do now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just a strange thing. You know, people think, you know, like Warner brothers wouldn't allow Tom Welling, I guess, to put on the Superman suit because they felt that that would hurt the movie. But in reality, I think that would have helped the movies just more Superman love the better, you know, um, right. I think we need to, stop hating on things to, you know, ensure a better future, you know? I, I think so. we both know that Sony, Sony's kind of always been this way. They're incredibly competitive and a bit narcissistic. And they have a very weird way of activating their films and a weird way of, of coming up and approaching their movies. And it's backfired a couple of times when you look at the way they dealt with Marvel. Uh, Marvel really kicked them in the, in the A, uh, hardcore and, and they had to come back and, and you know really work it out but uh in, in the end marvel did win yeah it's, it's yeah it's very strange and i i used to intern at sony god 20 years ago um before all those movies we talked about and, and that was always a really fun experience aside from their parking structure anyone that's ever parked at sony knows their parking structure is a nightmare but um Jeez. It's so confusing. um but uh i lost my car in there many a times Everyone that worked that I, I had worked at, uh, all the producers there seemed really, really cool. 
it's just on this project. Well, what were you trying to to achieve with the Valiant Films? Were you trying to achieve a, a movie-like quality? Were you trying to achieve a, a narrative that can be like almost? Were you trying to create a resume for yourself to create future films for yourself in in that same universe? What were you trying to do? What were you trying to achieve there? Yeah, all those things, and then of course, always honor the characters. I mean, I get Valiant fans coming to me all the time saying like, "Thank you so much. This was like, you know." This is what I waited my whole life to see. You know, you did the characters justice. This is so accurate. And so, you know, um, aside from, you know, making my own uh, aspirations with the film, I'm, I try to make, I guess, dreams come right. true for other fans, you know. So um, so that was the goal. And, and I think we, you know, we, we accomplished that. So it's kind of become like a cult classic, as, you know, I've seen, sure. which is cool. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing is when you see cult classics, they're usually, you know, garbage quality, but we love them anyways, except for right. Armageddon. You know, that, that's that's my guilty pleasure. And, it, you know, they spent a lot of money on that movie. But <laughs> this yeah, is, this is yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love Armageddon so much. I mean, but it's such a garbage movie. It's it's unbelievable. I especially like what Ben Affleck has to say about the film in, in, in the dialogue version of it. It's incredible. But um, no, what I mean is that when you see this film as a cult classic, it is quality. It's a quality film, right. quality product, quality martial arts, quality editing, quality music. And this is what I want to get to is quality casting. Now, how did you get into that casting area? Because casting, casting is incredibly difficult. And if you cast wrong, you cast it wrong. Right. Well, the cool thing is that we built this film from the ground up. Everything that you see on on the film is, you know, we touched, we, we made these choices. Um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of directors are just invited on to projects who don't cast, who don't do anything involved in it. They just have to just kind of come in and they're like more of a project manager and they just, you know, um, they just finish, you know, they help finish the project and then they're done with it. Um, for us, we're so hands-on because like the casting, you know, the, costume designs, everything, you know, we, we do everything. So, and, and the cast, right. everyone on there was, were, were friends of mine that I had worked with on projects or had wanted to work on projects. You know, we had um, John Hennigan, who's, you know, a very famous WWE wrestler, John Morrison, um, mm-hmm. Jason David Frank. Um, we had Derek Thieler from Baby Daddy and Whiskey, uh, the new Whiskey show. Um, we had, of course, we brought Kevin Porter back as Armstrong, and we had... Uh, of course, Michael Rowe as the lead, and he was a dead shot on, you know, Arrow. So the cast was really, really quite a stellar cast. Well, I found it interesting because I, I think I sent you the link yesterday about in Looper, uh, or the, the Looper, yeah. the, uh, the, you know, the the uh, YouTube channel. They were showing your, your film as superhero films you may or may not have seen. And I thought that was really interesting because yeah. a lot of those other movies were million-dollar movies. They're million-dollar-made films, while yours is yeah. not a million-dollar film, put in the same yeah. category as them. How does that feel to to get that recognition? It feels it feels, it feels cool. It feels cool mainly because they dogged on the rest of the movies on there, and 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 <laughs> they put ours first on that list. And they said aside from they said aside from or uh, unlike all the movies on this list, they said this one is definitely worth watching. So I was like, oh, that's right. cool. Um, so they really, yeah, they really liked it. And, and the, the budget for the film, and it was kind of strange because um, 
the budget changed quite a bit. And from my understanding, I think that the final budget was around seven or eight hundred thousand for that film. Right. Jesus Christ. That's 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 there's a huge amount of money. But you know, it, it, it does it does show in the quality of, of the filming of the, of the film there, because you know you have a, a lot of actors, you have a lot of different places where you're shooting, so you need permits, you need cameras, you need to pay the oh, cast. Yeah. It's just it's just huge. it's a yeah. Go ahead. Huge, huge production, but at the same time, it's you know your average Netflix show like you know Daredevil on Netflix, they were like three to four million an episode, and they were only an forty episode. minutes. And here yeah. we, yeah. we took you know seven hundred thousand and stretched it to an hour and fifteen minutes. You know, right. so uh, we're real proud of it. I mean, it's funny when people people will uh, try to insult the film. They're like, ah, oh, this just looks like a Netflix or or CW show. And I was like, right. that's a huge compliment because I was like, <laughs> right. those have budgets of three or four million, and these are yeah. produced by Marvel and DC. So I'm like, right. that's a right. That, as if anything, that's a great compliment to the to the sure. film. Um, so I think it's always funny when people are like, ah, this just looks like a CW Netflix show. And I'd be like, thank you. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. yeah I mean, all the yeah, CW shows are, are, are renowned and revered by uh, everybody. Yeah, when you look yeah. at The Flash, those are $5 million episodes, and they're incredible. But, you know, they throw money away sometimes. Where it looks like in your oh, film yeah. that you really conserved a lot of your a lot of your money for a lot of different shots. How did, right, how did yeah. you – did it really help to work on films with limited budget? to help you with this film itself? Did it help you to work with almost pennies? Like to work with a lot of money on this film? Yeah, I, mean, I think you understand that. It forces you to really be creative so you know how to tackle things. And it forces right. you to look at things differently and, and bring forth things. So it, I, I think it definitely did. Well, how's it going right now with with, the, with Valiant Films? Are they, are they looking to make more of those films? Or were you oh, pretty much done no with that? Idea. I think Valiant's kind of in a little bit of, of a, space, uh, a weird headspace just because, right. you know, they they sold their company and then um, and then with Bloodshot not doing well at the box office because of the crime yeah. thing, I think they're really, I, I don't think they're in a good place right now. It's not to say they won't come out of it, but I just think right. they're not. Right. So, it, well, the, the corona thing happened literally, I think, week two of the bloodshot opening because I went to go see the film in the theaters and then the, they shut down all movie theaters, maybe a week to two weeks later on. So it was just really horrible timing, unfortunately for them. Yeah. So you, you also do a little show called the waiting room, which, which I love. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're little shorts and I see, I see a lot of our, our, our friends in there and what have you. What did you, how did you think that up and how, how did that come to be? Um, that kind of came by a little by accident. Um, I have a, uh, a background in improv. I did a lot of improv when I was younger, and um, I just thought, like, let's have the characters just kind of awkwardly sit and talk and see what comes out of it. And we filmed a few episodes just to try it, and it did really, really well. I mean, like, the first 10 episodes of Waiting Room have over a million views, and some of them have, like, 5 million views. It was crazy how much mm-hmm. they, they really took off. I, I, you know, I forget how many views and how successful that show really was, but um, yeah, involved a lot of cosplayers and then involved a lot of real actors who had a, you know actual great comedic timing. Um, sure, it was really fun to do. We still do it every now and then. It's it, I think it's kind of died down a little bit, but um, 
just because all of YouTube's kind of died down a little bit. But uh, sure, uh, every episode stars Spider Man, and I play Spider Man, and you know, and I try to keep it, try to keep it, you know, going. He's always you always surround yourself by the straight man. You know, we had it started with Kevin and Tatiana, and and, and they did a really good job. Um, and it was it was great and expanding. We brought in a lot of our beatdown people, and we had all the costumes and stuff. So it was kind of a natural progression, and it was it was content that we could quickly churn out in between the beatdowns. So, right. What are you what are you looking for? What are you looking forward to right now? You know, now that the coronavirus kind of hit, and we're we're in a pandemic, we don't know when it's going to go away. But right now right. is almost like the glory days of the YouTube creators because people are watching a lot of youtube they're watching a lot of netflix they're watching a lot of a lot of content out there do do you feel like your space is you're finally hitting your space and and, uh this is a good time for you or do you feel like would you feel the opposite no i do i feel like it's doing great it's doing wonderful um and uh i think it's uh um just we're working on a lot of projects and, and people are very open to take meetings and stuff. So it's it's cool. It's been really, really good. I mean, I'm really happy with where I am right now and very yeah. blessed and just keep, stay busy, you know, stay productive. Sure. Now, tell me, tell me about the, we're, we're running out of time now, but tell me, tell me as much as you can about the, the new Batman film that you're working on. Uh, yeah. Dying is easy. is what it's called. Do you know what Kevin Dying Gordon is easy. Psychological. Yeah, you know, like dying is easy, comedy is hard. Um, but uh, um, it's a it's a dialogue piece between me and Kevin, you know, Batman and Joker. So um, you know, it, it's uh, we're working on that and uh, right now, and and it involves just Kevin is like I said, such a great Batman voice. So we're going to get him right. talking a lot and the Joker talking. So you're going to really get into the minds of the characters and the relationships. And it's kind of like a mental chess match that that film. So it'll be a three day shoot, and we'll shoot that soon as soon as quarantine's over. I'm I'm getting in. Uh, I'm leaning out. I always like to get really lean for Joker. I probably get down to like 152, 150 pounds. Wow, um, which is pretty lean for. I'm six foot, so uh, yeah, that's you know, that's really opinion, thin for you. Yeah, and like when I'm Nightwing, shape, I'm like 180, so it's like a, it's a big drop in weight. So I'm losing weight right now, which I hate because I get so weak. But uh, <laughs> and uh, and then my hair is really long right now. I have a goatee, but I've got, I have to shave and cut my hair short and bleach it and dye it green for the project. And Kevin's, you know, he's getting in shape. His weight always fluctuates. You know, he'll come in at like 230, uh, 9% body fat, whereas when he was Armstrong on, Nin- on Ninjak, you know, he was like 280. Yeah, um, you know, and he was he was bigger. You know, he put on all this weight and lose it. So it's like you know, the physical commitment is also you know there. Um, so we're just kind of working our bodies out right now. So anyway, would you, so, would you yeah. say this is the more investigation Batman, the more investigatory Batman? He's a little more detective. He's definitely more cerebral Batman. That's for sure. Hmm. Because that's the Batman that they, we've always missed. You know, every time they say we're going to work on Investigation Batman, it's just him with more tools or him with just more junk that he has around his waist. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's all about his mind. It shows, this, this, this film yeah. should show how smart he is. And when, when do you plan on going to production for this film? Um, uh 
probably in about a month and a half, really. I mean, I mean, it depends on quarantine's over, really. I mean, the plan was about right. a month and a half, but but if you know quarantine changes, then and quarantine you know, changes all the time, yeah. You know, kind of, yeah. Maybe, maybe you could do with you guys six feet apart. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> bad man, bad man, and Joker doing social distancing. Yeah. I mean, it, that'd be funny. Actually, don't come too close. <laughs> now, what you, after this film, I mean, we're all waiting for this film. And every every time Kevin Porter mentioned it to me, you know, we're all looking forward to this film right here. What, what are you looking forward to in the future of Bad in the Sun? Uh, well, the goal always was to get doing more original content, White Dragons original. We have a bunch of other original content that we're rolling out. So that's what's cool. It's cool to be, you know, have your own um success with your own company because it, it has right. such more of a, of a gratifying accomplishing feel and and we've really been able to do that you know and, and and been able to resonate with fans to keep on doing that you know i see so many right. people trying to do that and and it's i just feel very blessed that we're able to do that you know right do you, do you contribute a, lo- a lot of your success or a lot of the quality of your films to the fact that you and your father work together and you're you're able to bounce off of each other in your creativity? Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah, we're always critiquing each other's stuff, and, and we're hard on each other's stuff, but it's to make it, you know, the best it can be. And I'll always, you know, I'll be like, you know, this and that with his music, but then he'll come in and do this and that with my editing and stuff. So it's, right. it's good. And, and uh you know, uh, we work together all the time, so we're able to, and we like to work, so it's not like, you know, we have to take breaks or we only work on stuff once a week. We, we work right. a lot. So, yeah. Well, I just saw a recent thing that he was putting on. I don't know what channel he put it on, but he was giving some sort of introduction into his musical score that he was working on recently. Do you know what that was for? Uh, he, he finally started his own Instagram, which is, uh, which is oh. amazing, and he's He's showing off more of his music ability, you know, mm. so. Yeah. Well, he does a lot of the music for all of your films, doesn't he? He does all the music. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does all of it. So it's been really kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. So other than original projects and what have you, do you want to do more Batman films in the future? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, Dying is Easy is, is really supposed to be like the definitive, you know, the definitive uh, Batman. So we'll see if we do any more in the future. If it does well, then we can do another Kickstarter and, and, and do another, you know, one. So we'll see, you know. Yeah. Was it was this a hefty one to to, uh, to pay off? Was this a big one? Uh, Yeah. Yes. I mean, we're real excited about it. So we hope that it's definitively the best, you know. Yeah. Is Reeves doing the the outer for, outer for this one as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the mask for it and nice. the uh, some of the armor and stuff like that. So the suit is going to be a brand new suit, and, and, and it's going to be like it's going to be like nothing unlike anyone ever has ever seen. I saw I saw a couple clippings of this armor, and it looked a little bit like almost like year one to year three. It was very different, and I really couldn't place it anywhere. Can you give give us a little hint on what it, what it might look like? Um, I mean, it's classic, the classic suit, but of our own design, more artistic, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it's we're pretty pretty 
pretty excited about it. Um, we'll, we'll be revealing more of it soon, but I think people are going nice. really to gonna love it. I think they're going to be like, oh, it's unique, but it's also classic, you know. Uh, give me a little hint. Tall ears or short ears? Medium. Oh. I love yeah, those ears, man. Tough. Yeah, those ears are, are fantastic. When I, what did you think of the of the new Batman costume, new Batman outfit that was just shown by by Mark Miller's film? Uh, you mean the? You mean wait? Um, what is his name? Um, I forget the name. Who's Reeves? He's doing Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves film. Yeah, Matt Reeves. Yeah. Um. He. Uh, I mean, he's a great director. I mean, I know he's he's doing like a different take on the on the character, which is cool, but also like, you know, I like the classic. I like Ben Affleck's Batman suit, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, this is the new one. I'm sure the movie will be good. It'll just be a little different than what we're expecting. So, yeah, you know, I I know better than the bag on any product because of Heath Ledger. He's, you know, every time anybody wants a bag on a character before it's produced, I always mention Heath Ledger because nobody wanted Heath Ledger to play the Joker. And then when he was the Joker, nobody else wanted anybody else to play the Joker except for Heath Ledger. So it's one of those things where, where, you know, I just keep my mouth shut. But when I saw this Batman outfit myself, I was I was crying internally. Because I, I didn't know what to expect, and it, it scared me. It scared me to death because he looked a yeah. little bit like Black Widow. Strange, yeah, it's kind of strange to look. I agree. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you think is happening right now with a lot of the films, like in Marvel, DC, that are that are coming out right now because of the coronavirus, that are being delayed backwards? So what do you, What do you, What do you, What kind of impact do you think that's going to have on, on the genre itself? Um, I just think it's going to just, you know, I honestly don't know. I mean, it's, it's so hard to figure it out. I mean, it's, it's how theaters are going to be affected, how the entertainment is going to be affected. I have no idea. You know, it's hard to believe everything the news says nowadays and right. um, what is what is real, what is not. You know, everyone's got their own conspiracy theory and um, and a lot, of, some of them seem pretty accurate, actually, and uh you know, a lot of people are living in fear, and maybe some people right. are overreacting, some people are underreacting. So it's right. really hard to say, you know, because these are the people that are also going to be making these decisions. So, I mean, I think, you know, right now we just need to just play it safe, you know, but play it realistic and, uh, right. you know, see, see what unfolds. I think that we need to listen to people and try to understand them more. I find it strange, everyone yelling at everyone, and it's not going to do any good. You know, so no. people are people are if you're if you're, you're living in fear, they're living in fear for a reason. You got to understand why. You know, some people want to get back to work, and that's because they have families to feed. You know, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but at least try to have some compassion, understand that's why they want to go back to work. I mean, for all the people that want to go get their haircuts, that's a little silly. But um, you know, <laughs> but if you, have, you know, if you have kids to feed, you know, I understand that. But then you know, yeah. you don't risk. You know, you don't want to risk, though, at the same time, if the virus is as deadly as some people think it is, you don't want to, you know, risk human life. That's not acceptable either. So, you know, there are, I don't think there's a lot of, you know, we don't have a lot of answers right now, but compassion right. and understanding, you know, we always have that. So it was unfortunate. I was, talking, people. I was looking at Garrett Warren the other day, you know, who, who did all the sun choreography for, for Logan and what have you. And he's ready to go back to work and he's ready to do this stuff. But it, it, it these are very close net. 
studios, and these are very close-knit audiences. When, when you're together making a film, you're really close together. So yeah. it's it's, oh, yeah. it's difficult to say how that's going to turn out. How how do you see that impacting your filmmaking it, it, your, yourself? Um, are you guys going to wear Are you guys going to wear masks as you film Batman? I mean that that would I be mean, a, a realistic question. I mean, I guess though, you know, the character. I mean, for Joker and Batman, they can't because you know they're right. Um, on screen. I mean, anyone on set that wants to wear a mask, I'm all for it. I would never tell anyone that they can't. That would be silly. Um, you know, people can be as protected as they want to be, you know, and, and if they want to come back to work. And I know some of my crew, they they, they need the money. You know, they, they want to work and they right. want to, you know, they got to make rent. So they're like, I'll, they're like, I'd rather face the challenge of needing rent than face the challenge of getting corona and you know, that would be on them. I mean, we're in quarantine, so we're not filming right now. We, we would need to tell right. them back up a little bit um, before right. we could even, you know, but I wouldn't force anyone. I mean, it'd be totally up to them. And right. um, But I know a lot of people are just welcoming the chance to be creative and get out there in the market. So Sure. We'll see, you know, but right now we're just playing it safe and we're not filming. Yeah. So, we'll so, in a way, it's, so in a way, it is it is impacting your filming. Uh, it, that you know, and that's that's very interesting to say. You know, it, it, what you're saying is very interesting as well because if anybody, if anybody in the world is going to be able to get this done, it's going to be California because we have had a lot of very heavy restrictions placed on us this yeah. entire time. So the curve has really dampered down. So if anybody's going to be able to get it, get into work, it's going to be us. Right, and I think a lot of people look at California in that way. So we'll see, you know, we'll see. I have, I can't, I can't say for sure. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, before, before we go, if you can give any kind of advice to a young filmmaker, you know, LA born Calabasas, that whole deal, you know where I'm going with this. Very young, you know, what advice would you give to them? In this generation, I've asked you this question before on the radio show because I've had you on seven years ago. <laughs> but yeah. right now, as as we're going into this new generation, you know, we talked about morals and ethics. What, what advice would you give to a young filmmaker coming into this new stream of filmmaking? Yeah, well, what I, I would say is, um, you know, don't be afraid of criticism. Everyone seems so reactionary and soft nowadays. Um, don't be afraid of criticism. Learn from it. Take from it. Know that you're not the best, and that's okay. It's a journey. Uh, find people that want to be a part of the same journey because with filmmaking, you know, the, the sum is always greater than the individual parts. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a team. Um, not one person can make a film. You need everyone. So find people with that passion, that commitment, um, and find people that are loyal uh, to you and find people that put filmmaking, find, find people that aren't going to, um, like I said, don't no toxicity because that weighs down a project that, that toxicity is the enemy of creativeness, you know, so right. you want to avoid right. that. Um, but always, you know, you, if you're loyal, then you're going to, you're going to want to do right by the person. You're always going to give 110% because the end project is going to represent them as much as it represents you. Um, and don't be afraid to just get out there and do it. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, you don't have to put everything online right away. You know, some people feel like I need to make the best project right now and put it out there. And honestly, that's not realistic. 
a lot of times some people want to make too big of a project and that's why they fail. You know, just focus on the quality and and learn from it. And then just it's a step. Right. Every step is important and it may seem like a long road. Like I've been doing this, you know, for 20 years. Right. And, you know, it's taken me a long time to get where I am at. And, um, and sometimes I forget people have to remind me how far along I am and how successful I am because I, I see where I want to be. And, mm. you know, it's still a long way away, I think. And, and I sometimes forget what I have accomplished and, you know, so don't, don't get discouraged. Always be determined. I think I said this before. It says always, always be happy, but never content, you know, in terms of right. your, of your career. And, um, and you'll always keep, always stay hungry. That's always what I admire about Tom Brady. You know, he's won more yeah. games and Super Bowls than anyone. And he still finds a way to stay hungry, how to motivate himself. I, I was just telling my grandma yesterday, what's interesting is he'll find negative things that are said about him and he'll bring them to the forefront. You know, his last couple of years, everyone said he's too old. So he would tell all his teammates during the game to walk up to him and yell, yell to him, you know, you're too old to win this game. You're too old right. you know, to fuel him to win. And he won. I mean, he won, he went, <laughs> he went to three Super Bowls and won two of them in the last three years. And he's incredible. Now another, he's found a way, you know, and he's gone, and now he's gone to one of the, one of the worst teams in the, you know, in the NFL because he wants that challenge and right. he's already, the people are already picking him to win the Super Bowl. So it's like, find, find a way to stay hungry. You know, that's, right. that's the goal Arnold talks about it. You know, all these, all the greats talk about it. So. Right. What, what is it, what is it about you that people want to spend? Because when you're working on these films, you spend 12, 14, 16, sometimes 18 hours a day with people. What what qualities yeah. do you think that that you have that make people want to work these hours with you? Um, well, well, what I always try to do is I, I would never ask anyone to do something I wouldn't be willing to do. And I think that people see that I'm all in, you know, a lot of times I won't eat during lunch. I'll work. People probably see how passionate and then people see how good the projects are. Right. And um, they just see that it's just, it's just about the art. It's not about ego. It's not about, you know, any, any other outside, you know, things that people will sometimes, you know, get, um, you know, like a lot of athletes, it becomes more about the playing or more about the attitude or their presence or following. And it's not a, it's not about that. Let's just make it about creating great art, have a great time together and let's enjoy it. Let's have fun because, you know, life is, you only get one life and it's going to go by really fast. Right. And everything, everything's amazing. And you just got to learn to see it as that when you got to enjoy everything because, you know, just yesterday I was 12, you know, and, and now I'm not, you know, that was a right. long ago. So, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like, enjoy, enjoy every moment of your life and see it for that way. And, and, you know, and working together and it's always just amazing. So right. it's kind of a perspective thing, but I, I hope that that resonates with people. I think it does because we've been able to draw a lot of really good, stuff to our projects so no absolutely you know and what you said about you know negativity you know entering the set and and how you keep it away from you how important is that to you i mean i I know how important it is to me but how important is that to you to to keep a a steady pace a happy atmosphere and people around you that that are just they're just enjoying themselves um yeah it's 
it's I just know that when you when you have this negative or toxic things in your brain, they just they just take away and they take up so much space in your brain, which I, I terrible. Right. But I was like, I don't want that. I want to be able to use all, utilize all my brain for being there with people and stuff. So negative is so bad. It's just so, right. You know, it's just it's just horrible. It drains you. It stifles you. And you know, you only have so much time in the day. Why are you letting it? You know, right. Destroy you. You know, right. and, and it's just bad. It's just toxic people, you know, and then, I mean, you don't want, I mean, I, I try to help sometimes talk to people, make them aware of what's going on and maybe, you know, uh, see the error in their ways and stuff. So you don't want to like right. shun talk to people, but at the same time, after a while, it just becomes like, you know, no thanks. Well, you mentioned family before, you know, did, to, do you sometimes try to talk people out of the feeling that they're having right there and, and move them away from, from what they're, you know, what they're saying and what have you or thinking? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. I, I, I try to, you know, put, um, put them on my shoulders and, and make it so, you know, and help. I mean, I always, I'm always a right. sucker to help, you know, but, uh, and that, that's what probably gets me in a lot of trouble sometimes is that you're trying to help people that, either can't help themselves or are too, you know, don't want to be helped, you know, and then you get involved right. in the toxicness and that's, you know, terrible. But I, I have a hard time giving up on people. I always try to see the good in people and believe that if you see the error in your ways, you'll, you know, you want to be a good person. But I think just some people aren't good people. I, I don't know. You know, it's, right. it's very disheartening um, right. to be that way, you know. But I guess I'm kind of idealistic. I grew up where Superman is the, is the end goal, so... <laughs> no, I I agree you know, with you. I I think this is the reason why you've had such great success, such great people around you, uh, such consistent people around you, and such loyalty is that you do have this kind of set and this kind these kind of people that you surround yourself around, uh, people that care yeah. about you, care about the product. What, you know, maybe you know want to stay somewhat ethical because this is the field that we're working in. I think morals and ethics have a lot to do with filmmaking personally, uh, because without it, I don't know who we are. No, it's true. And we, I've really been blessed with pretty much everyone I've worked with. has just been phenomenal. And you see it that I work with them again and again, and that's why. So, and they, you know, I've, I've really been lucky to work with a lot of really talented, amazing people. So, yeah. You have, and I'm very proud of you, Aaron. Thank you so much for being on the show. Tell us, you know, how can we do everything, Aaron? How can we watch you, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube? How how can we do everything, Aaron? Um, that's all on uh, our, our handle is Fat in the Sun on everything. So, and then right. and if you want to follow me personally, that's on my own Instagram, which is just my name. Um, but uh, Bat in the Sun, you know. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, it's all out there. And then follow us on uh, White Dragon, which is on uh, Kickstarter, and Batman Dying is Easy, which is on um, Indiegogo. And if you want to contribute to the beatdowns and be a part of that, we have a Patreon set up as well. So right. um, a lot of ways to be active. And I'm really active on there, and I like to talk with the talk with the fans. And I go live on YouTube you know, a couple times a week and talk with them. And so it's been, it's been real cool. Well, I've, I've seen you throughout all these years and, uh, you know, I'm, I've always been very proud of the amount of work that you, you do to make people feel happy, the amount of work you do with your audience to make them feel included, um, the people that you work with to make them happy. 
uh, the mm-hmm. products have always come out excellent, and your attitude's always been very kind and very generous. So I'm very proud of you, and I only hope the best for you. And and I can't wait for us to work together again after this is all done, and 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 see your entire career just flourish some more. Well, I appreciate that, Steve. Yeah, I was trying to do 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 right by everyone and do right by the fans and the characters and the art. So I've know. only seen you be kind. I've only seen you be generous. I've never seen you be anything else but that, uh, especially, you know, in the comic cons where people are just hounding you, they're just hounding you and you always find time just like Kevin Porter to spend time with the, uh, the fans and to do something like, I remember those two flash kids, you know, doing something interesting. Oh, yeah. So they, you know, they cross each other and they, they do something interesting. You know, you're always very generous with your time, but also with your crew. You're also very generous yeah. with your crew. You're always very kind to your crew, keeping them included and, and working extremely hard. So um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to your career just blossoming and becoming what it, what it should be, which is, you know, cause you are the gold standard. Uh, to me right mm. now. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of you. So Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today and, uh, and God bless. All right. You too. Yeah. Stay safe out there and I'll, I'll talk to you soon. I'm very sure. Thank you, my friend. That's Aaron Shonky, bro. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Have a great day. Aaron Shockey's a very interesting human being. Very interesting. You know, um, works extremely hard. Uh, he's always been very, very kind to his audience, very kind to his, uh, the people he works with. Uh, very generous with his time. Oops, that's the wrong song. There you go. You know, I think he sets a great example for a lot of future filmmakers as somebody who started off sort of basic he started off sort of basic making smaller films you heard what he said about getting a camera from his grandfather his father helping out making smaller films grows into something else turns into something else and what makes it turn into something else that's interesting you hear about loyalty, morality. Are these things important to filmmaking? I don't know. Are they important to life? I think so. Would you want that in a crew member? Would you want that in somebody who's part of your life, who's part of your family? I think so. He mentioned carrying people on his shoulders. Sounds a lot like Tom Brady's attitude, right? carrying people on his shoulders. Aaron Shonky's a very rare individual who loves the people he works with, brings them along, lifts them up, makes them feel better than, so one day they can be better than. Aaron Shonky, thank you so much for joining us today. Your films have been a light. They've been incredible. I've loved watching Kevin Porter and, and Tatiana, Neva, 
I love to watch their career just blossom in that world. It's interesting to listen to him talk about filmmaking and film production. How difficult it is, how complex it is. Yet problem solving is really his thing. No wonder it it's hard or difficult to be around people who are not positive human beings. Because if you're not positive, you're draining the energy away that I can put on filmmaking or a score or direction. Negativity is the killer. Negativity is the mind killer. From Frank Herbert's Dune, you say fear is the mind killer, but you know what I'm saying. Thank you, Aaron Shanky, so much for joining us today. We were truly blessed to have you on our episode. And to all of you out there, thank you very much for listening in. Thank you so much for joining us today. We adore you. And in this time right now of great reflection, think about what you've done in this lifetime. Think about what you're doing in this lifetime. Make yourself a better person. Write that movie. Watch that movie. Read that book. Write that book. Talk to that person you haven't talked to in a long time. Change that part of your personality that irks you. Blossom into something new. So the doors open up. You're wild. You can be the better you. What is the purpose of us being locked down if you're not going to be the better you when this whole thing's over? Aaron and I were talking about this today. Ethics and morality. Why are they important? Well, they're important because what are we without them? Thank you for listening. This has been Cinema Files Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.